This episode is brought to you by Netflix. Hold your carriage horses and tighten those corsets. Bridgerton is back. Longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Has Penelope truly pushed aside her feelings for Colin? Will Colin realize his feelings before another suitor takes Penelope's hand? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? This gentle reader can't wait to find out. Watch part one of Bridgerton now, only on Netflix. Hello and welcome back to the Sunday special episode of the You Up podcast. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I am Jared Freed. It is so good to be back here with you, Jordana, but even better because we have a very special guest for the Sunday special, a return guest, right? Woo! Oh, yes. <laughs> the, the audience <laughs> loved that episode so much with Logan Yuri. She is back here to help us with more dating advice. Um, and I mean, if you guys haven't already bought her book from our last episode, How to Not Die Alone, I am a personal huge fan of it. As you, I even provided a quote for it. I loved it so much. Um, and we're so excited to have you back. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me back. And I feel like this is kind of cheesy or earnest to say, but I do feel like being on it last time kind of changed my life. It definitely changed the trajectory of the book. I mean... My Instagram followers shot up, the book sale shot up that week, like my audience or who I hope to become my audience is definitely who listens to you up. So thanks for having me last time and thanks for having me again. Well, of course, because we think you're fantastic. And if you don't have the book, it's called How to Not Die Alone, The Surprising Science That Will Help You Find Love. And I think that's what people really connected with. I think a lot of people are looking for like a beacon, so to speak, like, uh, you know, that the numbers that can make them feel better, the 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 science that goes behind this dating stuff that is a lot of times it's just advice from someone, you know, Jordan and I, we talk out of our butts and we're sitting here being like, you know, we think this and we think that, but this is real hard evidence you're giving people. Yeah, exactly. I try to bring the science and I also try to make people feel normal. So many of the emails that I get are, I heard you on a podcast and I didn't realize that so many other people were struggling with that. And it makes me feel like it's not just me. And it's really empowering for people to be like, oh, it's just really hard to choose from hundreds of people on a dating app or your eighth year of swiping. You're just kind of blah about dating. And so for everyone listening, and I think you two do an amazing job on the show. I just want people to know that everything they're going through is really normal. Totally. So, Logan, the last time we spoke was in February when we were in the throes of the pandemic. And now we're like, I don't want to say over it because we're not. But like definitely seems like probably people who didn't date for that whole year are like back out there. And like, what have you what are you seeing in terms of like a hesitancy maybe to like get back and like, are you seeing any sort of difference in the way that people were dating before and now and how they're dating now? Yeah, this is why I'm really lucky that I work at Hinge, because at Hinge, we've been doing research on pandemic dating throughout the last 18 months. And so we know what was happening at the beginning of the pandemic, things that I'm sure you've talked about all the time, video dating, people going inwards and getting more intentional. Who am I? What do I want? What kind of relationship do I want to be in? Right. So the beginning of the pandemic was really a lot of inner work. Then uh, post-vaccine, people really started to get back out there and they were super motivated to find someone. And so you had that combination of intentionality and motivation that's really getting people to look for relationships. And so at Hinge, we got a lot of questions saying, are we expecting this shock girl summer, this waxed and vaxed summer? 
And what we found in our research is that people actually don't want casual hookups. They're worried about germs. They are less likely to have one night stands. What they actually want is connection, intimacy, and somebody to ride out the next pandemic with. It's interesting you say that because it's, you know, we just get the emails. We don't get the numbers. You're looking at hard facts. And, you know, it's funny that the emails start at, should I do, you know, during the pandemic, should I do a video date? And then it becomes, you know, then we go into the pandemic. Should I, you know, meet up with this person and in safe, in a safe way that feels good for both of us? Okay. Then we get vaccine and people are going, this person I've been talking to for a year won't go out. Or Mm -hmm. won't meet up. And then just like you're saying, we're getting now like a few months away from Vaccineville and people are going, we've been doing this for four months and uh, it's not happening. We're not moving forward. it's, It's interesting that it's following that even just with our emails. Yeah, absolutely. I think you two really do have your finger on the pulse of what's going on and whether it's, you know, millions of people through hinge data or just representative emails that you're getting. Like, I think we're both just keeping track of the fact that this hasn't just been going in one direction. Like even today, as we're recording this, like I'm always reading about Delta. I'm trying to get my husband to get a booster shot. Like we're not really post pandemic. And so I don't have the perfect term for it yet, but I heard somebody say the next normal as opposed Mm -hmm. to the new normal. And I thought that was interesting, but Yeah, it's just a hard time to date. There's so much uncertainty. It's really hard to know what's safe. Should you put yourself out there? And then this idea that maybe maybe COVID will just always be this thing that's kind of going around. Like, how does that change the way that we think about connection and fear and casual hookups? Like, I think there's just a lot that we don't know. Do you feel like there's a lot of people who felt like they, like, lost a year of dating? Oh, yeah. Now I'm like you know, a year behind and, you know, lost a year of like potentially being out there. I'd be like, I, I've heard that anecdotally as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last year I wrote this newsletter for hinge about the dating clock, which is this idea that I feel like at a certain age and it's different for different people, people are like, damn, I really have to find someone and settle down. It might be when most of your friends get married. It might be when you turn a certain age. But I felt like in the pandemic, all of a sudden people's dating clocks started ticking at the same time. And there was this sense of I didn't realize what a luxury it was to just be able to go out and date whenever I wanted. And now that I can't, I feel like I'm behind. And so many of the emails I get start, I've lost a year of dating. I can't believe we're back in lockdown or whatever it is. I'm getting these from people in Sydney and people around the world who just really feel like, what was I doing for the last 34 years? Because now I'm trapped in my house and I can't meet anyone and I wish I could have done it differently. Right. I wonder if it makes people rethink that like notion of like, oh, because you write about this in your book too, where you're like, a lot of people are like, oh, I'll start dating when I, you know, get that that promotion at work or when I get to a certain level, then I'll be able to like find someone serious. Um, and I wonder if like, again, like that's being taken away from you in the pandemic makes you think like, OK, I don't actually need to wait for all those things. In addition to all your research, which says that you should just do it anyway. 
Yeah, 100%. That's what we're seeing through the research at Hinge. And so we've asked people about their priorities and people, 75% of people say that they're looking for a relationship. And then among those people who are looking for a relationship, they now say that dating is their number one priority. And so it used to be that career or family and friends were their number one priorities. And now dating has moved up on that list because they realize that it doesn't just happen to you. You don't just wake up one day and you're in a relationship. You have to put time and resources into it. And so I think that's an interesting silver lining of this moment, or at least I think it's a silver lining because I think people should be prioritizing more into relationships is the idea that, you know, your job didn't keep you warm at night during the pandemic and your friends and family probably didn't either. And so if you really want a life partner, you have to go out there and prioritize it because that's how people find someone. Yeah, I is is so the, I have a couple so the book came out since last time we spoke and everyone should go buy it right now. It's an amazing book. It, it, for anyone listening to this podcast, it is your it's going to be your bible of sorts. How to not die alone, the surprising science that will help you find love. Um go 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 get the book right now. Um okay. Are there something since the book has come out and you've heard from audience and you've is there something you're more convinced of now? And is there anything that you're less convinced of now that you wrote about? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Yeah. So one thing that's really taken off since we spoke is this idea of fuck the spark. Mm. I think people just like cursing and it's a fun little <laughs> tagline. And so like I'll walk into, you know, some sort of small dinner party and people I haven't seen in a while will be like, fuck the spark. My friends and I say it to each other. And so I really am glad that that's taken off because I feel really enthusiastic about the ideas in that chapter. Basically that we are so often tricked by charismatic, hot people who make us feel like there's a certain connection between the two of us, but actually they're just really sparky and they make everyone feel that way. And mm. so I have so many emails coming in from people being like, I went on a date with a guy, he wasn't sparky, normally I would have said no. Instead, I gave him a few more dates and now I'm in the best relationship I've ever been in and I just probably wouldn't have even seen him again if it weren't for thinking about the idea of the slow burn instead of the spark. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Skims and with warmer weather coming up, I recently tried out one of their t-shirts. Skims makes the best basics and foundations, so it's no surprise that it's the best fitting tee I've ever worn. Finding the perfect t-shirt can be such a challenge, whether it's the fit or the quality, but with Skims, they make the most flattering shirts for everyone. Honestly, I love pretty much everything Skims makes, but I really love their t-shirts. They're like form-fitting and they make my body just look that much smoother. I have the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt in Onyx. It has amazing versatility. It is literally a must-have for a spring wardrobe. They're stretchy, they're flattering. You can dress it up or dress it down and you don't have to worry about compromising style or comfort. I also have the cotton jersey t-shirt in marble and it's really just changed the game for me. It's taking the regular t-shirt, it's leveling it up. There's no stretched collars or hems and it literally fits like a dream. Skims t-shirts are made with innovative technology while always keeping style and comfort in mind. From crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, Skims has something for every fit and every body. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes extra extra small to 4x 
If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select you up in the drop down menu that follows. Summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I'm wearing a Quince sweater literally right now. They make the best cashmere sweaters and they're so well-priced. It's like, honestly, my dream store. I also have an amazing down comforter from them. They cut out the middleman and they really just give you these really, really high quality items that last a long time and that they're at an amazing price point. Quince has amazing items like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash UUP for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash UUP to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash UUP. What do you say to people who feel like, you know, if I go out with someone that I'm not that into, I'm basically just like settling and I don't want to settle. I'm settling for someone that because just to find someone. Yeah, well, that's per- that's a perfect follow up question, because that was going to be my answer to Jared's other question, which is like, what have I not doubled down on or what am I questioning, which is in the book, I say, go on the second date. And I think there's a good concept in there, which is if you're so focused on the first date and the spark, you're going to miss some people that just aren't that impressive or charismatic on the first date. But then I get all these questions that are like, okay, well, the second date was also blah. Do I give it Mm. two dates? Do I give it three (laughs) dates? And I'm like, that's a really fair question. And I don't have a great answer for you. And so I think that, you know, I was approached by some magazine about writing an article about go on the second date. And for months, I was like delaying working on it. And when I was honest with myself, I was like, I feel like I'm still thinking through that because there isn't this scientific answer where it's like, well, you don't know after one, but you do know after two. And people Mm. are busy. They don't want to go on four blah dates with someone. And so that's something where I'm still like honing my message around it. Well, then then it's like it's like the leftovers in the fridge. You're like, you know, it gets to a point where you're like the pizza's been in there and I'll uh, if it's in there long enough, you're gonna eat it. And in in this in dating, right. it's like if you go on enough dates, you're gonna fuck it. And <laughs> then and then you're sitting there, and then that person is like not into it anymore. And you're like, ah, fuck! I you know I I I didn't even like you in the first place. That happens a lot too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think like where that that it seems helpful like the the fuck the spark thing or the going on the second date is if you kind of notice that you have patterns of especially like i think a lot of us are attracted sometimes to people who withhold and they find like that's even more charming it's like you show me you like me a little bit but then you know you're not really texting me or you're like you know what i mean you're you're not getting like consistent dates or behavior and that becomes attractive so i think the fuck the spark thing is particularly like helpful in an instance where you know yourself and for me i used to be very anxious when dating so i think i used to date people who made me feel that excited because they were like withdrawing or pulling away or kind of avoidant um and i think if you give a chance and the way to overcome that in a way what i found with my current fiance is that like 
he wasn't doing that. And I do think in the initial first few dates, I was like, he seems like he's pretty consistent texting me. This is like, does he not have anything better to do? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, What's wrong with this fool? Right. He likes me. That's what I'm saying. No, he, he, it's, it's what I'm saying. It's kind of like he likes me and he's like consistently asking me out. And there is like, there is a sense of like, it's a little bit more exciting when you're not sure if they're into you sometimes. I, I love that. I think the word withholding is super smart. And it's just like, yeah, we become addicted to the uncertainty. And going back to psychology and the research, there's all these experiments that show that let's say you put a mouse in a cage and every time it uh, hits a certain button, it gets food. Well, at a certain point, it'll stop hitting the button. But if you make it where sometimes when you hit the button, you get a reward. And sometimes when you hit the button, you don't, it'll become addicted to the uncertainty. And and that's very exciting. And the same thing is true with us, right? Will he text me back or not is a much more exciting thing to talk about with your friends than like, turns out he's super reliable and like <laughs> does what he always says he does. Like that is not what a brunch conversation yeah. is made of. And like, right. it sounds so simple, but it is actually a profound change. If somebody shows up for you, is clear with their interest, is reliable in how they communicate, and makes it clear that they're interested, that is a secure person who you should pursue a relationship with. And instead, I get so many emails and coaching calls where the person's like, oh, like that's a huge turnoff. Or like, I'd say this in my book, it's like, this woman said she was going to Seattle and a guy sent her a list of stuff to do in Seattle. And she's like, oh, that's so desperate. I was like, why is that desperate? That's like a nice guy thing. And so I think that we should really celebrate people that don't play games and are like, I'm into you, you're into me, like, let's give this a chance versus being so obsessed with that, um, with withholding and sort of that, uh, I don't know if I'll give you the reward every time you click that button or not. Right. Could that mouse example be used to talk about dating apps where people are just addicted to the, you know, the will they, won't they of a swipe, so to speak? Like, couldn't that happen to, like, how does that, how do you know if you're dealing with someone like that where they're just like a dick? You know, because I think a lot of people get down on themselves that like, I'm getting matches, but I don't get messages. It's like, wouldn't you assume that those people that are just getting matches, they're just doing it for matches? Like, couldn't that be the case? Yeah, I do think there's a huge problem of people playing dating apps as a game. Mm. And then it's like, it's more about did the hot person that I swipe on swipe back? Like, did Mm. I get the dopamine hit of somebody attractive liking me? And then I hear about this, like, at all stages of the dating process. So it might be like, um, I get tons of matches, but they don't turn into dates. Or I go on tons of dates, but they don't turn into second dates. And so, Jared, in terms of your previous question, you know, what has changed for me since the book came out? Something that I'm thinking about all the time is that it's not just effort. You could go on 60 first dates this year and not get a boyfriend. Because Mm. if you're showing up the same way on every date, it's not just going to magically change. It's not like, oh, you haven't met the right guy yet and it's number 61. Like, I don't believe that. I think Mm. it's you're doing something on these dates or the people you're choosing or the dates themselves. There's something off and you and this you and somebody else aren't connecting. And so I really like to dig in and say, how do we make it so that in the next 10 dates you actually find a connection versus just like year after year of going on dates and being like, why haven't I met him yet? Why is it fruitful? Right. What are some tips you have for like being sort of going on dates the right way as opposed to just like, well, I went on 60 dates and I'm still single. Yeah. (laughs) 
My first thing is just your mindset going into the date. I think if you're just like, oh, another date, I'm not into it. You don't put any effort into how you look, not for the other person, but for yourself, that's going to show up, right? It's like, I know people that put perfume on when they're on a video date, not that the other person can smell them, but they, it's a reminder to themselves that like they're in a flirtatious mood, ready for connection. Um, I talk about this all the time, but so many first dates feel like job interviews where you're just interviewing each other and there's nothing sexy there and people are just exchanging resume information. And I coached a guy last week who, he was interesting. He showed up with a spreadsheet of all the women he's dated this year. What? <laughs> Come and on. No, this is real. I hit, there was yeah. like multiple documents that were shared with me. So then it had first name, last name, notes, um, the funnel that they met, so like which app they met through, okay. how many dates they'd gone on, who ended it, and then percentage shit together. This what is, is the what spreadsheet. Is the, what is that percentage? percentage what? Shit, like how much do they have their shit together? <laughs> so uh, on whose okay. scale? <laughs> on <his laughs> right, scale, I know. I guess. So I then I, I look guy, at the Google yeah. needs to fire this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the notes section, and all the notes are what their job is. And I start talking to him and I'm like, you're just, this is basically like a hiring sales funnel. Like there's nothing about like, did you have a connection and were you attracted to them? And what did you talk about? You're just really obsessing over their job. And I said to him, I was like, your whole personality isn't your job. Their whole personality isn't their job. What else can you talk about on a date? I was like, what books have you been reading? And he's like, well, I've been reading a lot of psych books because I haven't been that happy lately. I'm trying to do self-improvement, but I wouldn't want to bring that up on a date because then a girl would think that there was something wrong with me. And I was like, no, the opposite is true. Women literally say to me, show me the receipts from therapy. I want to see that you've done the work. And I was like, that's what makes you interesting. It's not that you had a startup four years ago that failed or it's nothing to do with your job. And so I think people think I have to present this glossy image of myself. You have to meet, there's a Chris Rock joke. You don't meet the person, you meet their booking agent. It's like, (laughs) no, be edgy, give them something to hold onto. That's how people make connections. But all these first dates are two people just giving like their PR versions of themselves. Sure. I mean, there, there is something wrong with you, and what's wrong with you is going to fit with something that's wrong with the other <laughs> yeah, person. Right. Yes. And, yes. You know, yes. It, uh, two wrongs make a right, so to speak. You know, yes. Like, and I do feel like there's a lot of people who go out, and I used to be one of them, who you would go out on a date and just try to be whoever the person you were on a date, mm-hmm. who you thought they wanted you to be. Um, which I think just wastes a lot of your time because eventually, you know, they find out who you actually are. And you want to find someone who actually who you like that isn't again, like it's kind of like I'll go out with anyone and I can make it work with anyone. But really, a bad date is almost just as good as a first date because it eliminates. It's like, okay, like now I know this person isn't right for me. It's better than like a fake date where you're one of you or both of you is pretending to be someone that you're not. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean this in like the most all-encompassing way ever but didn't both of your lives get better when you just started being who you really are like cutting out the friends in your life who didn't make you happy or telling stuff to your parents about what you really think like that's that's maybe this is just where my head is in dating this week but I think if people can be more real on first dates they will turn off the people who aren't interested in them turn on the people who would be a good fit and actually move forward into connection instead of these like 
dates that all feel the same where everybody walks away feeling blah and meh and if I never saw that person again I probably wouldn't even notice it's like be edgier I had this coaching client this week where I was like you're awesome and funny but my feeling is that you're a fruit on the bottom kind of girl and you're going on these dates and the guys are just you know scooping the top of the yogurt and they just think that you're vanilla and they're not into it I was like how can we get you to be your bold edgier self on a date so that somebody actually remembers you Yes, yes. <laughs> Add some edge. Fish right. food, Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Well, it's like if you try to be someone everyone likes, then you're going to be someone that no one probably really likes. It's fair. I totally I, agree. Yeah. Is yeah. there, we we have an email that we want to get into, but is there a new kind of data point? You know, is there is there some new data that you've gotten since the last mm. time we've spoken? Like, is there a number out there that would be interesting for people to hear? Is there something that like some some number? Because I love those numbers that you give, and like I love like the yeah. theories, and like and, and like I I just like because I think it makes people feel more comfortable and normal, science. as you said in the beginning. A little science. Is there something out there that we hadn't gone over before that is new and that you've kind of piqued your interest now yes there is something that i just saw a report on last week at hinge and i was just like fuck yes like this is what the world needs to hear where it was an analysis of what we call responsiveness and so how quickly do you respond to my messages and how quickly do i respond to yours and this is within hinge and so a lot of people think oh you need to play hard to get if i get a message from you jared i should wait four hours before i respond and then you'll wait four hours I wish I could show you this graph, but it basically showed the most people, the people who are most likely to go on a date are two people who respond to each other right away. The people who are mm. least likely to go on a date are people who both wait a long time to respond. And then if one of you responds quickly and the other responds slowly, you have a medium chance of going on a date. And so this just completely disproves the whole playing it cool on a dating app thing because it's not just I go up to you at a bar and I'm your whole world in that moment, but you're competing with all these other people I'm talking to. I'm competing with all the other people you're talking to. And the way to stand out is just to actually respond. And so I'd say, don't play it cool with messaging. The way to actually get to a date and you know, meet up with someone in person, et cetera, is to just be pretty responsive in the beginning. And then if someone is not, if you're responsive and the other person is not that responsive, would you recommend like just kind of like passing on that person or continuing to speak to them? It's a good, it's a good question. I would say like, if you feel like you're putting in all the work and like all of your messages end with a question and they just respond and that if you stop messaging, it would fizzle out. Yeah, maybe give that one a pass. But I would say, unfortunately, a lot of people who maybe would make good partners just don't realize that they need to be more responsive on the apps. And so my general feedback would be the time when people are most going back and forth is after work. So whatever those hours are in your time zone, I would go on the app and start messaging with people and actually just try to have a back and forth conversation and get to texting or get to a date because you really just want to get off the app and onto an actual date or phone conversation because that's how to really tell if you have chemistry and if you like the person. Turn on those push notifications. <laughs> Treat the dating apps like it's Ticketmaster and you're clicking over and over again, getting on there right away. Yeah, that's no, I, I it's I think that's very interesting. You should we we should get that graph from you and post yes, it put on it on the our Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, you yeah. up Instagram. 
We would love that. um, But that is very interesting to hear. And the playing hard to get, you're playing a game against yourself is really what you're doing. Well said. You know, you're just really, you know, zigging when they're zagging. It's just going to get you nowhere. Just two people holding the door open for each other. Right. And I feel like it sometimes can feel like it's more powerful. Like you have more Mm -hmm. power when you do Mm -hmm. that. But like, would you rather have all the power and be alone? (laughs) <laughs> or have less power and find yeah. someone and actually like do what you're here to do, which is like go on a date. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's not that I think this is like so mind blowing, but a lot of people's approach is I need to play games. And I feel like the correct answer is to play, be playful, tease the person, mm-hmm. inject a sense of fun, go to a comedy club, go play Scrabble, whatever it is. Like, how can you be playful and how can you have an experience? And that's about being in the moment. It's not about this power dynamic. Nothing gives me naked confidence like really nailing a tough workout. There's a real sense of power that comes from pushing your body to its limits and conquering it like a champ. But a very close second, Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. It's the game-changing whole body deodorant for those who love feeling confident from head to toe. And you up listeners can now receive a special offer. New customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code and link. Use code UUP at LumiDeodorant.com. L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Making sure that I smell good is like one of my top things to feel confident. If I'm scared that I might be like having an odor, that is going to totally throw off my confidence. So I love Lumi so I can feel confident that I'm smelling fresh every day. Lumi is seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. Yes, anywhere. It's baking soda free, paraben free, and pH balanced for safe use below the belt. Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. More like a pre-odorant. It's clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. Choose from a variety of bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for our listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code UUP for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code UUP at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. If you're like me and shudder at the thought of low-rise jeans and pluck-thin eyebrows making a comeback, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarins Multi-Active Cream to your daily routine. I have to tell you, I'm a huge Clarins fan. I've been using them for years. I love, love, love them. They are such high quality. They're like a legacy brand. My skin always looks better whenever I'm using Clarins products. And it's no different with the Clarins Multi-Active Cream. You've been adulting for a while, so the daily stress of just trying to keep your life together can cause stress aging. Yes, that's a thing. The good news, Europe's number one skincare line has a solution you can trust. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C. holly bio-extract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While Multi-Active Cream can't bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can de-stress your skin. Go to Clarins.com slash UUP and get Multi-Active Day and Night Cream for 10% off, a free welcome gift, plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash UUP with promo code UUP. UUP, Clarence.com slash UUP with promo code UUP. 
Let's do the email. Well, Are we ready? The email. the email is about a topic that you also talk about your book that we haven't really covered on today's episode, which is really about like figuring out if the person once you're actually in a relationship, figuring out if the person that you're with is someone that you should like stay with or potentially move on from. Jerry, do you want to read the email? Let me read it. Okay. Okay. Um, Jaron Jordana, my boyfriend and I have been dating for nearly five years. We have lived together for almost three of those years, and I thought he was the one from year one. More recently, I've noticed things that I don't love. Whether it be big, he hasn't been able to find a long-term career. He works, but he goes through a job change for one reason or another every one to one and a half years. Or small, he doesn't clean stuff around the house as much as I would like. We recently got into an argument because he said we weren't having sex as much as he would like, and I didn't know what to say. He said he feels right now that he could spend the rest of his life with me, and I was blatantly honest, and I said I wasn't sure. I love him and care about him, but I just don't know about marriage and the commitment of forever. I have never been one who recognizes and acts on emotions well. So I have considered going to therapy to talk this through with someone um, with an unbiased lens also. How do I know? I am not just being quote unquote too picky when it's time to break up and move on. I never picture myself getting married, not as in a woe is me, I'm going to be alone forever, more as in I appreciate independence. How do you decide whether to continue to put effort into it and and when to throw in the towel in a relationship? I appreciate your advice. Hope to hear from your both your opinions from to be or not to be. Ooh, that is such a perfect one for me. Thank you for choosing such a good letter. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. Of course. Yeah, good job. I love those questions. Yeah. I mean, it's so important, right? It's like so much of my work is helping people find love, but sometimes that means getting people out of bad relationships so that they can then find epic ones. And so... I, I really appreciate that you chose that letter. And I also think there's a lot of interesting details that we could dig into. And so one is um, to be or not to be mentions that her partner um, switches jobs every year or year and a half. And I thought that was an interesting thing to mention because you can tell that she's sort of judging that like, well, he can't stick it out with the job. Will he be a reliable partner? And for me, just for that one, I would say like, I feel like that's pretty average with millennials. Right. Like people are always that. trying to trade up. Like I haven't seen the data on it, but I think I've heard people be like, I've been at this job for 18 months, like I'm resting on my laurels. I have to look for something else. So that one does isn't a red flag to me. Well, I, I it's interesting that I read that differently. Like oh, let's I, I kind of thought when she says that he doesn't have a, he hasn't been able to find a long term career. He works but goes through a job change for one reason or another every one to one and a half years. To me, like, I I kind of heard that and I I might be wrong, but it, it just sounded like someone that she, like, didn't, that was a on turn off to her. Like yeah, the, that's the a good idea point. that, like, like, she said career, but he works, he has a job change. Like, right. those are two very different words to me. Like, career is like, you know, a, a doctor, a lawyer, you know what I mean? A mm -hmm. job well, is like a gig. It's interesting because she, she never wrote, she didn't write like their ages or anything. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. But it was interesting that she said they've been dating for five years. So like depending on like five years dating from when you're like 20 to 25, to me, this seems like very average. Like you said, like, fair. you know, have a job a year and a half. Like, I don't know exactly what my career is. Five years, if you're like, 30 to 35 and you keep switching career paths would be like 
to me are bigger red flag. I totally agree. That's a good call out. Yeah, it does sound like there's something that is worrying her where she's like, will he get his shit together? And I do think you're making a good point. That's like he's not just going from like uh, sales job to sales job. It sounds like he hasn't found a career and he's always switching things. Okay, so there's there's one piece of her that feels like I don't know if he's steady. And one thing I've been saying a lot lately is look for a partner, not a project. And it feels like in the job category, he's maybe sort of a project in this idea that is she going to always have to be like helping him with his resume and helping him find his path and things like that. The other stuff that stood out to me, she says, I love him and I care about him. And she didn't say, but it didn't feel like there was a huge question there. It felt like actually her feelings for him, she's pretty certain of. What she feels uncertain of is how she feels about marriage in general, right? She said she wasn't sure if she's the kind of person who she wants to get married. And it also sounds like there's this question in her mind of, should I be more sure? Should I be 100% certain about someone? And I think it freaks her out that he's coming to her saying, I'm all in. And she's like, should I be... Should I feel different if I'm all in? Like, should I be more sure than this? And so if I was working with her in a coaching capacity, there's a a few questions that I would ask her. And a lot of them would have to do with her. Like, is she the type of person who always wants more information? Is she the type of person who, no matter if it's her job or her apartment or a trip, she's always wondering, like, what else is out there? And it's just possible that no matter who she was with, she was going to come to this point of uncertainty. And so I'd really try to separate the relationship and that dynamic from who she is. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think that's great advice to me. It's it's funny that you say that. I mean, I think about this. I'm, I'm getting married in November, so I'm looking for a wedding dress. And you have people who are like, well, when you see it, like, you'll know, you'll feel it like it's mm-hmm. going to be like, that's going to be the dress for you. And I'm like, I know myself and I never have that feeling about anything. I'm not like, mm. oh, like I'm not the kind of person that's like, I found the one. This is like the best dress that I'll ever find in the whole world. And I'm 100% certain that I'll never find a dress that's better than that. I am the kind of person who's like, um, this is a great dress. I'm sure there's a million other great dresses out there, but I this is as good of a dress as I care about finding. And I think it looks great and it's good enough for me. So like, do you feel like that's a sort of a similar <laughs> mentality of like, obviously less romantic than like, Say yes to the dress, ring the gong, I found the one. But I oh, think yeah. it's kind of like knowing yourself and knowing your personality. And so when people ask me if like my fiance is the one, I'm like, yeah, he is a very good match for me. And we are like, <laughs> we are going to, we are doing, I mean, it's not, it doesn't, it sounds very unromantic, but people are like, is he the one? I get that kind of question constantly. And I'm like, he is like a one that is, I think I'm going to build a great life together and we love each other and we have the same values and like, but the, the, it's like sort of like that concept to me seems like a similar situation, knowing myself like this is what works for me. Yeah, Jordana, I'm completely aligned with what you said. And there's a great framework for this, which is some people are satisficers. So this is the kind of person who they're on a plane, they're going through, you know, the direct TV channels on their flight and they see, oh, you know, Goodwill Hunting is on. I haven't seen Goodwill Hunting in a while. And they just start watching it. And the other person is called a maximizer and they go through every single movie, TV show, et cetera, on the plane. And only after 25 minutes when they feel like they've seen every possible entertainment, 
example, then they choose it. And so the satisficer, they can have high expectations, but when they find something that's good enough, they commit to it. And a maximizer always wants to know what else is out there. Could there be something better? You know, is the grass greener over here? Is there the perfect dress at Carolina Herrera? Whatever it is. And so there's always like one more. And so through writing my book, I've realized, oh, I'm such an extreme maximizer. Like I'm annoyed that the vacuum in my house isn't the Dyson that's recommended by Wirecutter. It's like one that my husband bought for sale on an Amazon Prime Day. And I'm like, this is why our vacuum cleaner sucks. But I'm, I try to become more of a satisficer. And when we bought our car last year, we basically researched it for 48 hours and bought a used hybrid at the Toyota dealership. And it was just so, it was such a, so it sounds small, but it's a huge life change to just be like, life is not about being right. Life is about being happy. And what makes you happy is doing some research, making a decision, and committing to it. Not always wondering, could I have made a better choice? And what else is out there? You know that feeling when you're going on your first date with the person you've been seriously crushing on and realize you have absolutely nothing to wear? Maybe you find yourself wishing you had the perfect pair of jeans, the one you can fancy up, fancy down, and just look better every time you wear them. Well, that's why you need to check out Lee Denim. I love Lee Denim. I'm wearing them today in the office. I'm wearing their jeans. I love, they also have this other pair that I have at home that I'm really excited to wear. It's like a little baggier, but it's still so comfortable and yet it's still so flattering. I don't know how they do it. Every time you wash it, they also look even better. And I love that they flatter every body type. Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their denim gets better with age and their classics fit into every look. Lee's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. A classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG, what every other brand has copied for decades. Everyone is an icon in their own right, and Lee makes denim so people can own their style and feel good in their clothes. Their spring collection is here, so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's lee.com to shop spring looks now. So what do you say to the people who are like, well, again, like, how do I know if I'm settling? What I would say to them is I would, you know, what I just said a minute ago, which is helping them understand like this might just be a you thing. You're thinking that if I was with the right guy, I would feel 100% certain. But getting married is a huge deal. Getting engaged is a big thing. You're giving it the right amount of thought, but just helping them understand that maybe this is just something where in the moment you were always going to wonder what else. And then I would ask them some more questions. I have this question called the wardrobe test, which is if your partner were a piece of clothing in your closet, what piece of clothing would they be? And Jordan, I do think I asked you this last time and that you had a really great answer. Do you remember what you said? I feel like it was like a really flattering pair of leggings. Yeah, I think think. that's what you said. Yeah, which (laughs) I loved. And, you know, this I ask people this question all the time, and I think it's kind of like a Rorschach test where you just kind of give your gut reaction and it's not scientific. But when you hear yourself saying, my boyfriend is a itchy sweater that I want to take off, like that tells you something. Or if you hear yourself saying, my boyfriend is the perfect little black dress that makes me feel my best. That is also telling you something. And so for this person, I would say like, you need to work through, do you even want to get married or not? 
You need to work through what are your expectations around how certain you would feel before you got engaged. And is that a you thing or is that a both of you thing? And then you need to have some conversations with him about stuff that worries you. So maybe you can say like, these are my financial goals for myself. This is the lifestyle I'd like to have. You know, I'm worried that you haven't found your career. How can I support you in that? Or what might it look like if you committed to this, right? It feels like she's telling us more things than she's telling him. Mm. And I would really encourage her to bring some of those hesitations to him, not in a critical way, but in a collaborative way where it's let's build the life we want to build together. Do you think it's a problem at all that he said, I could spend the rest of my life with you, and then she says, I never picture myself getting married? Is that her finding an out, or is that her going, basically saying that like these are two different people with two different ideas of how the rest of their lives go. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's an interesting point. And that's why I wonder, like, is she worried that he's not the right person? Or is she worried that she's the kind of person who isn't going to get married? And I think that's just something that she really has to tune in to herself. But Mm. I would say, you know, a lot of the people I work with are between, let's say, ages 28 and 35. And in that range, a lot of people change their mind about stuff. They say, I didn't think I was a marriage person, but turns out I do want to make this commitment or I didn't think I want to have kids and now I've changed my mind. And so if you're someone listening who thinks that they don't want to have kids or get married, it's possible that that will carry on. But you should also carry around the idea that that might shift for you. And so I think for this person, I would try to help her distinguish, do I want to be married or not? And do I want to be with this person or not? And instead, I feel like she's conflating those two and that might be confusing her. Totally. Right. And do you have any like techniques for anyone who's listening, who's out there, who thinks of themselves as a maximizer and then therefore always has this fear that like there's always going to be someone better than the person that they're currently with out there? Because I would imagine that would be like an anxious way to live. If you were like every person you were with, you were worried that like there was still something bigger and better out there for you. Yeah, I work with so many maximizers and this is not an easy tendency to let go of because what you feel like is this is what gives me my edge. If I stop being a maximizer, I would just settle and I would stop thriving and striving and being the best at what I do. And so people are actually very attached to being a maximizer because they think it's what makes them great. And so what I would say to them is what I said before, which is what matters more, being right or being happy. And what makes somebody happy is looking around and saying, this is a very good option. She makes me happy. She gets along with my family and friends. I could see us building a life together. I trust her. She's reliable. I'm attracted to her. I can imagine us having a great conversation if we were stuck in traffic for four hours, whatever the things that are that matter to you. And yes, is it possible that you could keep dating for another 10 years and find someone who's slightly hotter, slightly funnier, all these different things? Yes, but then that person would come with their own set of flaws. And so it's not about finding the perfect person and then dating and relationships are easy. It's about finding a great person and putting in the effort to build something with them. And so for many of my clients, I say, you've probably already dated somebody who would make a pretty good long-term partner, but you became so focused on their flaws that you push them away. Instead, the next time you meet someone who has a lot of great qualities, think about 
what you can build together versus always wondering, you know, could I find someone just like her, but a little bit better in a few directions? Right. It totally reminds me of what we talked about the last time you were on about like the secretary problem. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, which is a great mathematical way to figure out if you um, should have settled a while ago. Um, right. <laughs> 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 um, really 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 fun way to to think about the one that got away you know like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's been point that person totally yeah more to talk uh, to your therapist about yeah um but this was yeah i think this was so great and if guys if you want more information on the secretary problem or any of the, i mean mm-hmm. i what i love about your book is that it takes you through like really every single stage of dating whether it's like just like not dating and then just starting to date or building a profile to all the way to like deciding if you want to marry someone and if you don't want to marry them figuring out the right way to break up with them like there's really something for some anyone who's in any phase of any part of dating so you guys should definitely read logan's book i thought it was really helpful really great again even like in my stage of a relationship um it's called how to not die alone how to how to not die alone the surprising science that will help you find love and logan you're fantastic and we love having you on and and also you do personal coaching and all that stuff so you know i've dealt with logan in in my own you know life and she's been very helpful and just a very i think it's dating and relationships we go to the most unreasonable place and i think logan you're you're spectacular at being completely reasonable so i think that's very helpful thank you so much yeah i'm honored to be part of the extended you up fam and thanks for having me back and this was really fun awesome of course that's it for our sunday special we'll see you guys on wednesday bye you up is produced by sean kilby and jorge morales pico editing by sean kilby social media by maddie paul guest booking by nicole pellegrino be sure to follow at you up pod on instagram and twitter and send us your emails to you up at betches.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Netflix. Bridgerton is back, bringing us another scandalous and sexy season. And dearest gentle readers, you will not want to miss this chapter. In season three, longtime friends Colin Bridgerton and Penelope Featherington find themselves in quite the precarious situation. The wallflower is ready to bloom, but she needs Colin's help to find a marriage match. Will these friends defy odds and expectations to find true love? And will Penelope's secret identity as famed gossip writer Lady Whistledown destroy any chance she may have at love? You shall have to watch and see. Watch part one of Bridgerton now, only on Netflix. Betches.